Good morning, America. This is Wayne Ahart speaking for the Old Glory Network podcast. Thank you for tuning in for another message of common sense values designed to make Old Glory great again. Now, this morning, I want to begin with uh, an article that I have uh, entitled, How Do People Start Their Own Business? Well, you know, the key to a lot of problems is usually ignition. You just got to get it started. You need somebody to get you started. And here's a little message to politicians. We don't want you to bring home the bacon. We want you to save our bacon. Now, you've given us so much candy, you've made us sick to our stomach. And now we just need to get well. You know, one of my favorite words is fun, F-U-N. I believe it stands for free us now, F-U-N, free us now. Now, many Americans wonder how people start their own businesses. They wish they could do that themselves. They wish they had the courage to do it. They wish their livelihood today or their future tomorrow didn't have to depend on someone else. You know, a lot of people with no more talent than than you or education that you have have started their own businesses. You know, I know someone with a ninth grade education who started 15 businesses in his life, and that's just so far. Sometimes all you need to start your own business is to just imagine. You know, sometimes that's the only thing standing between you and success is for you to just imagine. That's another word, by the way, for dream, for goals, for plans. You know, all goals and plans are first inspired by your imagination. Nobody is stopping you. Do you ever think about that? Nobody is stopping you. Start dreaming, start imagining, and the plans and goals will always follow. Now, one of the best best women that I ever knew was Sally Fairfax. She was a Negro woman who was a wonderful friend of my family. And by the way, she raised a large family of her own. Now, before you have a hissy fit, because I referred to her as a Negro woman, back in those times, as I was growing up in the 1940s and 50s, that was the most respectful and honorable way to address a black person especially a woman. And believe me, we respected and honored Ms. Fairfax. Now, Sally was what I call a rock. She was honest, dependable, courageous, non-prejudiced in any manner, very religious, positive, 
enthusiastic, and a hard worker. Now, how many people can you say all of those things about throughout history and be telling the truth? You know, they named the street in front of her house, Fairfax Lane. And she lived to be about 104, maybe 105 years. And the street still carries her name as it should. And what a great American Sally Fairfax was. I, I would judge her to be the equal of Frederick Douglass as a female. I, I wish they could have known each other. Rest in peace, Miss Sally. Some people go through life hating people who didn't have to work as hard or come as far as they did. Others look down with disdain for those who came from poverty or, or lower class beginnings. You know, Arthur Rick, Rick Bragg said that in his book, Petrified Opinions. And then he said, some Harvard students won't ask a question in class for fear that they might appear to others that they don't already know the answer. Well, a person who won't ask a question is stupid. A person in a position of authority who doesn't encourage questions or even discourages questions, it's, it's sure showing signs of weakness and an inferiority complex. Rick Bragg said that also. But while we're speaking of Harvard, one of my true heroes is Thomas Sowell. You know, he is a great American, a, a Harvard grad with honors, who is now, I'd say, much smarter than Harvard. Now, I want to share a few of his thoughts that I have collected through the years from his writings. He graduated, by the way, magna cum laude. Number one, the only thing that will reduce poverty, according to Thomas, is wealth. And the people who create the wealth, well, they're the ones who reduce the poverty. And number two, businesses have done more to reduce poverty than all the intellectuals combined. You, you might remember Thomas was an, is an intellectual himself. Number three, intellectuals create confusion. And number four, the liberals want to help the poor while they are poor. But really, the biggest benefit is to stop them from being poor. And that, he said, they have very little interest in. You know, conservatives want to stop people from being poor or disadvantaged. Thomas Sowell. Number five, he said, there's no such thing as benefits without costs. Number six, Democrats are the only reason to vote for Republicans. Pretty good point there, Mr. Sowell. Number seven, one of the reasons that government programs don't work is that they can't create good parents. Now, number eight, Break the National Education Association 
and make the teachers non-union, that would probably do more than any other single step to improve education. Number nine, I'm conservative, he said, but I'm an independent. Nothing I've seen about either political party makes me very confident. Of the two, however, Republicans are far better. Number 10, these people wouldn't be working for Walmart or McDonald's if someone else thought they were worth more than Walmart or McDonald's were paying them. Boy, that, that just makes sense, doesn't it? And then number 11, he said, liberals have jumped on Walmart because of their success. Number 12, better that a child's self-esteem be wounded somewhat than to go through 50 years of life permanently behind and with no hope of getting anywhere. Number 13, he said, if you don't get a decent education nowadays, you may as well pack it in. You're lost. Well, I had a little editorial comment I'd like to tag on that. And that is that Mr. Sowell's main point there was the word decent. If you don't get a decent education. Number 14. Liberals are concerned about their vision, but not real live human beings. You know, busing was a classic example of that. You'd be hard-pressed to show, show black people, white people, or any other people who were benefited by this. But the liberals loved it because it enabled them to be, be morally superior in, those, in their mind to those who were fighting against busing. And the evidence, one way or the other, really did not matter or interest them. Number 15, this quote was back during the Bush administration, and I quote Thomas Sowell, four years have gone by without an attack. I think that's a good track record. And I don't think it's because the terrorists have gotten any nicer. Close quote. Anything can be important, he said, as a principle, and yet ridiculous as a fetish. People would love to be able to stop the terrorists without having to inconvenience anybody. And then there's a few things that were known to irritate Mr. Sowell the most. Number one was environmentalism. He said, I just wish there was some way to add up all the incredible costs that are now run up in order to appease a small group of noisy, self-righteous people. And number two, the people who are playing the race card, he said, at every turn. Because the people who are hurt the most by that are the blacks themselves. And then number three, he said, the education establishment really bothered him. People think they're doing black kids a favor when they pass them along without holding them to the same standards. 
That kid is going to pay for the rest of his life for your apparent generosity. 40 years from now, he won't be able to get a job that he otherwise would have been qualified for if you had insisted that he learn what he was supposed to learn. Then he said number five was uh, the, the, the 14th Amendment. Applied is written, he said, namely that, that everybody is to be treated alike. You would not have huge numbers of government programs to insulate people from the consequences of their own decisions. And then number six, are, are, are you, he said, was asked a question, are you pessimistic? Are you pessimistic about America? Yes, he said, I'm pessimistic about the future. It, it, I sometimes tell young people that I'm glad that I'm as old as I am because I'm not going to see how this is all going to end. I'm pessimistic about the decline of the values because that's what's inside people. And if, if that's not there, the rest of it is not even going to matter. Honesty is one the whole attitude that you're entitled. And in his early years, Thomas Sowell was a Marxist. Now, now he was asked, how, how did you get away from that? And he, and I quote, he said, I took a job with the government. I started working under Milton Friedman for a year. And I was still a Marxist, but one summer after working for the government was enough to start turning me around. I realized all of a sudden that the government was nowhere close to being capable of doing what people on the left wanted the government to do. Now, before we sign off today, we, we want to remind you that if you are a conservative, then you will want to listen to the Old Glory Network podcast. But I'll tell you, if you're not a conservative, then you need to listen. Call your friends and relatives and encourage them to listen. If you, if you love America the way I do, then help us keep it. And you can order my son Kevin Dale Ahart's music on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon. By the way, Kevin has just released a new single called Sweet Ruby. Man, that is an awesome song. He wrote that about his new little daughter. If you wish to order his CD called Cowboy's Revenge, email me, Wayne Ahart, at weahart at gmail.com. The CD has 11 songs on it, is fabulous songs, and it's just $15, including free shipping. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. There's no cost to you to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Ben, I, I sure would appreciate that. And visit our website at oldglorynetwork.com. Happy trails till we meet again next week.